Well, good morning. It is so good to see you all this morning. Special welcome to um, family or friends who might be visiting, especially for Mother's Day. And I echo happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. And I want to extend that. Um, some are biological mothers. You gave birth. Some are adoptive mothers. Many of you are spiritual mothers. That is, you have helped to raise and nurture children who never lived in your home. So happy Mother's Day to all of our women who mother in many, many, many ways. Today, our Mother's Day and our sacrament of baptism, oh, they go so beautifully with our scripture texts and our topic for this morning. And I hope that you're going to see why as we proceed forward. But before we read, let me pray. Lord, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Christ our single concern. Amen. So our scripture this morning comes from two different passages in the Gospel of John. So first we start out with John 13, verses 34 to 36. Hear these words of Jesus. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then we skip forward to John 17, where Jesus is praying in the garden before he goes to his crucifixion. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is the word of the Lord. I recently heard another preacher say, isolation is the tool of Satan. Community is the tool of God. I think he's spot on. Isolation is the tool of Satan, but community is the tool of God. Community is a central tool of God for spreading the good news of his kingdom. Community is evangelism. Did you know that? Doing community well, truly loving one another as God has loved us, that is a witness to God's kingdom. My prayer is that by the end of this morning, we'll have a clearer understanding of why that is and how we can do that well. So to start off, it's helpful to get a framework for three distinct ways that scripture calls us to spread the good news 
of the kingdom. If you're joining us here, uh, haven't been here for the past few weeks, we're in our, our third week on a series on, on outreach and evangelism, how we spread the good news of the gospel to our neighbors and community and to all the world. So this is um, continuing on what we've built on the last couple weeks. So there are three ways that scripture calls us to do this, to spread the good news of God's kingdom. And numbers two and three, you're probably familiar with, Number two is saying the witness. So saying the witness is verbally giving the reason for the hope that is within us, explaining through our words God's reconciling love and all that that entails. You're probably familiar with that one. Number three is doing the witness. Now this is doing acts of mercy and compassion and justice These acts, they give witness to God's intentions for creation. They give people a foretaste of what the new creation will be like when Christ returns. These are acts of service like caring for the poor and the outcast, helping those in need, working for shalom in all areas of the world. So often when we hear the words evangelism and outreach, we jump right away to these two things— saying the witness, and doing the witness. And these are really important components. But there's one other component. People who study missional theology, they always name this other one first. Because without this first component, our saying and doing fall flat. Our words and actions, they carry little to no credibility. Can you guess what that first component is? You might have picked it up from context clues from the the title of the sermon. It is being the witness. First and foremost, God calls us to be the witness. So being the witness is being the sort of people who reflect God. That means being a community of love. Because did you hear in our John 17 passage, God and God's self is already a community a community of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in order to reflect God, we too need to be a community of love, to reflect our communal God of love. So today, too often when we think of evangelism and outreach, we we put all the pressure on ourselves as individuals. We think it's all up to me. But friends, the biblical viewpoint, it is fundamentally different. The writers of scripture, they thought way more in terms of corporate witness. In the, in the New Testament, the call to become witnessing communities is way more central than the call to become witnessing individuals. Witnessing communities takes priority. Now, this doesn't get you off the hook for sharing your faith because God still calls us to be able to give a reason for the hope that is within us. But I think that today we really need to hear this word of community as the witness. Because I think today we far too often underplay the powerful witness that it is when we do community well. When we truly love one another as one body of Christ especially in today's world that is far too polarized, far too divisive, far too individualistic, a community of love 
as a powerful witness to God. Now, to highlight this, did you know that in all of the New Testament, Jesus only ever gives one indication for how the world will be able to identify Christians? One marker. Only one. Just one marker to identify us. It's not having the exact right word formulations. It's not doing the exact right acts of service. So those will result when we get the one marker right. That one marker, do you hear it? Love. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Jesus echoes this again in John 17, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. Brothers and sisters, the way we do community, our love and our unity, it is the foundation of our witness. It is absolutely essential. Okay, so some of you at this point might be thinking, that's good, I've probably heard that, but what does that have to do with evangelism and outreach to my non-Christian family members and friends and neighbors? What does this have to do with that? And the answer is everything. Because you see, so much of our world is plagued by Satan's tool of isolation. There are so many people who are broken and hurting because they are alone and looking for love. I don't care who you are, where you come from, one thing is true. Everyone yearns to love and to be loved. Of course, as Christians, we know that God is love, so what our hearts are longing for is God. But folks, God doesn't usually tend to just show up to people in a vacuum. The scriptural witness shows us And Jesus tells us that the main way God reveals his love is through his people. Because remember, community is the tool of God. Many of us here have been so blessed to have belonged to a church family or a strong Christian biological family for a really long time. We praise God for that. That is a gift. But when that is the case, some of us can forget. We can forget or we can overlook the distress that others face in their isolation and loneliness. Pastor Brandon told us last week that God's compassion for the lost and hurting is one of our main sources of evangelism. So we need to consider for a moment what it feels like to feel isolated separated from God of love, separated from God's community of love. So just take for a moment what we learn from medical researchers about isolation. You probably know some of these things already. So infants, infants who aren't held become sick and even die. Elderly people who don't feel connected to family or friends usually give up their will to live much earlier than others. 
Those who report feeling lonely have higher rates of stress, anxiety, depression, and even physical illness. We know from researchers now that a certain number of days in solitary confinement, which is a practice used in some prisons, it results in a person's brain actually flipping over, is the term they use. It flips over and psychosis sets in. Panic attacks, paranoia, hallucinations, suicidal thoughts. All of this because of isolation. Friends, isolation is not a small thing. Isolation is the tool of Satan. We were not meant to be alone. This is one reason why God is so adamant about calling his people to care for the most vulnerable in society, the orphans and widows, the sick and imprisoned. These are the folks who are often most isolated. They are most in need of community support. But it's not just these extremes. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that isolation happens to all of us, does it not? Especially in recent decades in our country, life has become busier. Jobs require us to move more often. With recent technology, many of us are looking to social media for our communities rather than face-to-face communities. Technology isn't bad. Some of these things aren't bad. It's just many of us have lost our face-to-face integral communities. And the result is that today in the U.S., we are calling what researchers say is a, a loneliness epidemic. A loneliness epidemic, and the results are not good. Because remember, isolation is the tool of Satan. We were not meant to be alone. But the tool of God, the tool of God that counters this is community. And that is why the church, being a community of love, is such a powerful witness, especially in a lonely and isolated world. Friends, people everywhere are yearning to belong. To belong in a place that they are truly loved. And that is what the church is called to be, a community where all can come and find love and belonging through Christ, no matter what your background your social status, your age or gender or last name, the church is where you should find belonging. There aren't many groups like that in the world. So for this last portion of the sermon, we're going to get really practical. We're going to look at two practical ways that we are called to be such a community. So we've established that being the witness is foundational to evangelism. It's the way we model our communal God of love. And we've seen that love is the one marker that shows the world that we're Christians. We've looked at why community is so appealing and so needed in our world of isolation and loneliness. So now we consider how exactly do we do this? Particularly, how do we love one another in ways that witness to non-Christians about the good news of God's kingdom? So two ways. First one. Um, First one. Yeah, it's me. It's, it's all me. Live into our oneness. Jesus. <laughs> There's going to be a scripture verse, but <laughs> Jesus encourages us to live into our oneness. 
So as Jesus prayed before his death that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now being one, we've, we've covered this before, it doesn't mean we have to be exactly alike, the same opinions, same personalities, that's never, never going to happen. But it means that we are united with the same purpose of glorifying God. In our consistory meeting this last Tuesday, Brandon brought our attention to this list of disciples. Have you ever paid attention to who is listed in the disciples and their characteristic descriptions? There are two that are very interesting. There's Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot. Now, you have to understand that in that day, these are polar opposite extremes in the political world, like as far apart as you can get. One commentator suggested be like having a leftist gorilla and a right-wing conservative. And Jesus invites them both. I think Jesus called these two polar opposite guys into this one inner circle, this really super tight-knit community for a reason. Many reasons, but, but one reason is that Think about the witness that would be to people who are watching this. Everyone knows these guys are total opposites, and these guys probably would have hated each other, maybe fought each other. But now, now, because of Jesus, they are sharing their entire lives together, like every day for three years and then beyond. Now they are working together for one cause, As people are looking at this, wait, like Matthew and Simon doing life together? The only explanation for that is a miracle of God. It's a miracle of God for them to be working together in such unity. You know, we often talk of Jesus' miracles turning water into wine, um, walking on water, these other things. But there's one that we overlook that is no less miraculous— That's getting these 12 really different guys to all get along. I consider that an act of God. So the point is that this is a huge witness, such different people loving one another, united in in one mission. The Jewish community was separated, just as we find ourselves today separated. So such a witness of Matthew and Simon and others working together would have been a huge witness. And it still is today. Because I don't have to tell you, we all know, we live in a very divisive culture, especially right now. People are really polarized. It can be really painful. So what a witness when Christians unite and love, even amidst our differences, and unite in one mission under Jesus. As Jesus said, by this, all the world will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, before we go on to the second point, we need to pay attention to this word, love. Because so many people assume that to love someone is to have these warm, fuzzy emotions. You hear people say things like, I fell out of love with my spouse, or... I don't know if I can love this person because they don't have warm fuzzies. But friends, in the New Testament, it has nothing to do with warm fuzzy emotions. It's not about our emotions. It's about our actions. 
So in the New Testament, this word is agape that's used in these commandments. Agape refers to an action, to will the good of another and to demonstrate that in action. It doesn't mean you even have to actually like a person at the moment, but you always will and act for their good. In honor of Mother's Day, are there any mothers here who have ever told your children, I love you, but I don't like you right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard that a lot as a teenager. I got really used to that saying. So what moms are conveying is, is that sometimes their children drive them crazy, right? Sometimes they don't like what their kids are doing or saying, but they're never going to in, intentionally set out to go against their good. They're always going to be there for them to will and to act for their good. Sometimes that means speaking hard words in love. Sometimes that means us checking ourselves to better understand their perspective. Always it means being with them, not leaving them isolated and alone, but being with them to will and act for their good. So friends, that's how God calls us to treat one another, to will and to act for one another's good. So that brings us to our second and, and final way that we're going to talk about giving witness as a community of love. And that is that we invite others into our communities of belonging. This includes fellow Christian brothers and sisters and those not, um, who don't identify as Christians. So in the baptism we celebrated earlier, this is something that we vowed to do. You all stood and took vows. You vowed to, this one always chokes me up because this is a really beautiful part of baptism and I hope we take it seriously. We vowed to love, encourage, and support Jordan and Kinsley for the rest of their lives. You vowed to do that. We vowed to support their parents, Chad and Melissa, in their journey of parenting. These aren't just nice words we said. These were vows. Many of us may not be related to the Summers family, and yet we vow to take care of them as our own kin. Do you know how serious that is? Yes. We vow to love one another as family. Friends, in God's kingdom, our family is not just the people who share our DNA, Jesus extends it to all brothers and sisters who are following Jesus. He says, my brothers and sisters and mother are those who follow me. Jesus greatly broadens the scope of family, and this is really good news. It's especially good news to those who are lonely, to those whose biological families are broken, and there are so many of those, to those whose loved ones are deceased. Many of us will face that to those who find themselves isolated in a culture that can sometimes idolize the nuclear family. Let's be honest about that. It can be idolized to have mom, dad, 2.5 kids, and the dog. It can sometimes be an idol. But God promises in Psalm 68, I will set the lonely 
and families. They don't have to share your DNA. I will set you in families of love in my family, the church. I've heard of this testified by so many of you. I hope you continue to share your stories. Many of you have talked about how you've been second moms and dads to others' children. Many of you have helped to care for someone who was elderly but didn't have relatives to help in those last years of life. Many of you support one another in ways big and small every day. As I mentioned earlier, today on Mother's Day, we... we celebrate and rejoice in the love and sacrifices that mothers make everywhere for their children. But let's keep our vision broad of what mothering is. So today, give a thank you to your spiritual mothers as well, your spiritual mothers and grandmothers who have helped to raise you in the faith. That's really significant. Now, most of us here probably know we're supposed to love our fellow um, brothers and sisters in Christ, right? We at Heartland are pretty good at that, as I've said. But now this final challenge, I've, I've saved it for the end because I believe it's our growing edge. It's a place that the Spirit is encouraging us to get outside of our comfort zones. And that is, how can we extend our communities of love and belonging to those who aren't here within these church walls, to those who don't share the same faith? How do we invite others into our communities of love and belonging? Not simply inviting them to a church service, but truly inviting them to belong in our communities. So this is significant. Experts on evangelism today write this. Listen listen carefully to these words. Most people today will come to faith in the context of a community. Belonging comes before believing. Evangelism today is about helping people belong so that they can come to believe. Did you hear that? Evangelism today is about helping people belong so that they can come to believe. Rick Richardson, whom Brandon mentioned earlier in this book, Reimagining Evangelism, he writes this. In the past, we had a very individualistic and rational concept of the conversion process. We gave people the right information and called for an immediate decision. Then, after the person committed themselves to the faith, then we would invite them to join the community for discipleship. But now we understand that the community needs to be the context for conversion all the way along. Community needs to be the context for conversion all the way along. Just think about Jesus and his 12 disciples. Jesus invited these disciples to belong to his community well before they came to understand that he was Lord. And this is is simply the way humans work, ask parents or teachers or anyone who tries to disciple people. When we feel loved and accepted, we are much more apt to receive what someone has to tell us. We are much more prone to want to be like that person or community. It's like that old saying goes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, friends, in a highly isolated, lonely world, one of the best ways we can show care God's care 
is by giving people a place to belong, by setting the lonely in families. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to invite your whole neighborhood to your family picnic. You could if you wanted, but it's a lot of food. You don't have to knit a prayer shawl for every single person in the hospital. You could, but you might tire out. I'm encouraging you today to consider perhaps one or two people that you might know who are plagued by isolation and loneliness. Maybe you have a coworker who just moved here, a neighbor whose spouse just died, a schoolmate whose parents are going through a divorce, a child's friend who doesn't have a church family. How can you invite them into your community of love? It might mean inviting them over to your house for Thanksgiving or Christmas or even Mother's Day when a person might feel lonely. Maybe it simply means doing what you would do for a relative, calling, stopping in, seeing what they need. Maybe it means inviting them to a small group outing. I don't know what it is for you, but I trust that God will tell you. So I'm going to close with this challenge. Last week, Pastor Brain encouraged you to start praying for one or two non-Christians. Just start praying for them. This week, I'm going to encourage you to pray and then start to act on how you might invite one or two people who aren't members of this church into your communities of love and belonging to actually invite them in to give them a place of belonging especially think of people who are isolated and alone think of how you can help them to experience the gift of God's community because remember friends isolation is the tool of Satan but community is the tool of God let us pray. Lord, thank you for your gift of love. Thank you for showering us with your love, filling us with your love, setting us in families of love, biological families, church families. Help us to be your witnesses. Help us to be people who show your love to all the world that is hurting and broken and isolated. Unite us as one body in Christ, focused on mission, always eager to love in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.